Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. I am Daryl Harrison. What you know, Omaha? Thinking about everything, man. What's going on in your world? Not much, man. You know, we're here in the southeast, right? So uh, Florence is still doing her thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, after a couple days of, uh, well, really more than a couple days of uh, mm-hmm. wreaking, uh, you know, a, a not so small degree of havoc. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, not in Georgia necessarily, but in the Carolinas, especially North Carolina. So as we record this, let me just say right off the top that our prayers, we've been praying for folks in the Carolinas who are, uh, you know, suffering Mm -hmm. uh, really from the effects of uh, what, what is the remnant of what was Hurricane Florence Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, some serious flooding. You've got, I don't know, maybe even tens of thousands of people without power uh, right now. So, uh, I want those folks to know who may be listening to the Just Thinking broadcast that we remember you in this episode. You are not alone. You have not been forgotten. Yeah. And uh, we're praying for you that the Lord will sustain you, mm-hmm. uh, that you will uh, maintain your trust in the one who has provided for you even yes. up until this event. Mm-hmm. And uh, just know, as one of my favorite Old Testament verses state in Ecclesiastes seven fourteen that in the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, remember that the Lord has created the one as well as the other. Yeah, man, it's a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. So uh, be encouraged, be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. Um, Even those of you who are not yet my brothers and sisters in that area, God's Mm -hmm. common grace covers you as well. Yeah. Uh, So if you do not know the Lord, I pray that you will heed his call through the words that you're hearing right now. Mm, that's good broadcast and uh, humble yourselves before him and respond to this call to come to faith in Christ Jesus. So we do remember those uh, who are uh, going through rather a serious ordeal in the Carolinas and maybe on the other side, the next time you hear uh, right versus episode 46 that we're doing uh, right now, but maybe Mm -hmm. by episode 47, hopefully there will be some light at the end of the yeah. summer for the folks yeah. out there in the Carolinas. Absolutely. Absolutely. This time of year kind of brings, you know, really chaotic weather with regard to hurricanes and the like. I thought about the flooding of Houston not, not, not long ago and just all the things that kind of kind of happen around this time. And so, uh, man, definitely, definitely prayers, prayers go out and checking in with family members, friends, loved ones who are on the coast and just making sure folks are all right and, and safety. And for the most part, it sounds like most most everybody kind of kind of came out clear with regard to life and and health and that kind of thing. Just kind of look, looking at the, the the damage and and um, you know all of those temporal things definitely can be replaced. Though it though it definitely hurts as you as you navigate through that process. Yeah, I did read one uh, very very sad account of a mother and her infant child. I don't know the sex of the child, mm-hmm. but I did read one account uh, of uh, a death, a couple of deaths. Mm-hmm. Related to Florence, where a young mother and her infant child um, died when a tree fell on their home. Oh, man. Uh, and I don't know what part of the home the tree fell on, but uh, mm-hmm. it resulted in the death of the mother uh, and the child. 
you know, it's one of those things I think, you know, uh, Omaha, you and I both being reformed, uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, attributes of, uh, of God that really uh, brought me over to the reformed theology side of things uh, is the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you read the reformers, uh, man, they are consistent mm-hmm. uh, in, um, in establishing scripturally the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that God is sovereign and that God by nature is a good God in all that he does and all yeah. that he allows. Yeah. Uh, you know, situations like this, when you hear of the, maybe what the world might call the untimely death, mm-hmm. uh, probably this mother and her child, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but is it un- untimely? Right. You know, is it untimely? You know, what, yeah. what does it say in Ecclesiastes, right? I'm going to go back to Ecclesiastes again. It says what? There's a time to die. Yeah, there's a time to live and there's a time to die. Mm-hmm. And the scriptures are clear, right? That all of our days are numbered. Yeah. Uh, that the Lord has numbered every hair on our head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the breath that you and I just took, we can't get that back. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're one breath older, right? <laughs> you could look at it that way. Yeah. Um, because the, as the clock ticks, I, I like to say it like this, Omaha, that from the moment you and I are conceived, from the moment a person is conceived, you know, we say we 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 say a lot. You know, what's your birth date, right? When were you born? Well, mm-hmm. you know, biblically speaking, when you're born, you're already nine months old, right? You're born nine months old, right. but from the moment we're conceived, that clock starts ticking. Mm-hmm. That clock towards the moment when you will take your last breath on this earth starts mm-hmm. ticking mm-hmm. and it's ticking for you and me as we sit here and record this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so you look at a young mother and a daughter who uh, perished by God's sovereign plan, his providence mm-hmm. allowed mm-hmm. that to occur. Uh, you know, you're challenged in those situations to, to really trust God, but that's what we have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, this, this is good stuff. I'm thinking about the, the, the way in which we take for granted uh, life. I loved there was a piece that you had written um, just not very long ago that that really blessed me. I know you in the in the article that you wrote, the blog article that you wrote, uh, you talked about the, 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 the death of your friend and, uh, you know, the manner in which it happened, the, the, the age that he was was relatively young. I think it was in his 40s. And um, you know, just kind of kind of seeing what what all was going on. And while the 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 report, I think you, you said this in the article, while the report would would indicate, you know, heart heart attack. The reality is the nature and cause of death was, death was actually sin. And uh, it really loved what you wrote there because it really caused me and I'm sure others who who have had the chance to read it, the opportunity to really think about the implications of sin and uh, and the impact of sin and the impact of what what actually took place we we take for granted we take very lightly the fall right we take we take genesis 3 very very lightly oh you know it's too bad that happened and and kind of the fall of adam and eve and you kind of go on with the rest of the story not recognizing the global impact that that one act had in in our in our federal head and Adam and so we're still experiencing 
the the, the ramifications of it to uh, today and will and will until Christ Christ returns and um, and so we we we. We, we don't think about it in light of that. I loved what your article did because it caused me at least for the first time to really think of death. And we've talked about both you and I on, on, on our broadcast, uh, the, the death of our, of our brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I've, you know, I, I, I've never thought of it in those terms. I, I definitely thought of it in terms of, you know, what, what took him out, what, what was mm-hmm. the last thing that happened that to that the course of action that took place, but I, I hadn't really thought of it in light of, you know, just one issue that really is at hand for all of us and that issue being sin. And so I just I just I say that for two reasons. One, to just to tell you how it blessed me and two, to recommend it to to our our listeners that if they have a chance to go back and, and check out just thinking dot me and, uh, and and check that article out, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the kind words there, Omaha, and the encouragement. Uh, you know, la- a couple weeks ago, I took a week off from work. Uh, you know, no plans. I just want to take a mental break. Um, you know, have worked you know several uh, months in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you and I we're on episode forty six now. Yeah, this grinding. Just thinking broadcast, man. It's a grind. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and that's not to mention all the other responsibilities right. that that we're right. responsible for that's on our plate. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to do while I was off work for that one week was to catch up on, on some writing. And uh, I'd say the Holy spirit was really with me during that week, because in that one week I wrote five new articles uh, on the blog and I've never put out that much content wow. in that narrow a period of time. So mm-hmm. the article that you're referring to is titled angry at sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was one of the articles that I put out during that week, but I also wrote, in addition to angry at sin, I also wrote an article called God has spoken. Uh, I also wrote divided by sin. Mm-hmm. Then I wrote, it's not about Kaepernick. And then I also wrote the fifth article that I wrote was the fault in their social gospel. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as you alluded to a second ago, if folks, if, if you haven't had an opportunity to, uh, to check out the blog and for our new listeners, I'm glad you brought that up again, uh, Omaha, because for our new listeners, this will give me an opportunity to give Mm -hmm. a little bit of backstory here on Mm -hmm. how this podcast came to be. Um, This podcast, the Just Thinking Broadcast, rather, was initially a podcast. That's why I keep saying podcast. (laughs) Uh, But the idea was was, uh, born out of the Just Thinking blog, uh, which is my personal blog. Mm -hmm. Uh, The long title is Just Thinking for Myself. Mm-hmm. And you can get there, as uh, Omaha said earlier, at justthinking.me. That's justthinking.me. And I chose that M-E extension because literally this is me uh, sharing on this blog what I think mm-hmm. um, about certain uh, sociocultural, theological, political issues uh, 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 that are going on in our world today. So, uh, but a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit was just strong with regard to um, things that were on my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, the article that you alluded to was, is titled angry at sin. And Mm -hmm. the impetus for that article was the sudden death of of a deacon at my church, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Rockdale community church in uh, Conyers, Georgia, which which is East of Atlanta. Uh, His name was Chip King. And uh, I pray that his wife, uh, Stephanie uh, doesn't mind me mentioning uh, 
uh, chip. Uh, but from what I understand, there were over 400 people that turned out for Chip's wow. funeral. Wow. Uh, but uh, Chip was just a great, great guy. Uh, passed away at the age of 49 of a sudden uh, heart attack. Mm-hmm. And um, I really wanted to pay homage to Chip. Um, I, I went to the viewing of his uh, remains. I, I attended the funeral. I did not go to the uh, burial. But as I was just sitting there in church, uh, you know, initially before the uh, uh, services, uh, the funeral services began, uh, the casket was open. Uh, mm-hmm. Once the services commenced, they closed uh, the casket. Uh, but it just occurred to me, something just came over me What I really, really felt. And I say this in the blog article. This is the first thing I talk about is about how angry I felt myself getting mm-hmm. at the fact that at 48 years old, yeah. Chip King had to die. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I I add a little bit of uh, emphasis in the blog article on that word had. Mm-hmm. He had to die. Chip mm-hmm. had to die. Omaha, you have to die. Right. Uh, Daryl has to die. Right. And why do we have to die? Well, it's because of what you alluded to earlier. And I, I make this point in the blog. It's because of sin that we mm-hmm. have to die. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it is sin that kills every last one of us. Um, uh, obviously, uh, I say that in the context of Christ returning, which we don't know when that is going to be. But barring Christ's return, right, each one of us is going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it will be sin that kills us. And if I could just read an excerpt toward the end of the uh, in the blog article, just to kind of set some context for our listeners. Again, this is the article I wrote couple weeks ago titled angry at sin towards the end of the article just a couple paragraphs here in the days and years to come it will be said of my beloved friend who has gone unnamed in this article but not in the hearts and minds of those who knew and loved him just as it was said of my father that the official quote quote unquote the official cause of death was a heart attack Mm. Conversely, it will continue to be said of my brother, and you mentioned this, uh, Virgil, you, your blood brother and my blood brother mm-hmm. both perished under certain similar, under the exact same circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, HIV AIDS. Yep. So con- continuing on with the article, conversely, it will continue to be said of my brother that his demise was facilitated by complications from HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. The reality, however, is that it was neither a devastating heart condition nor a merciless autoimmune disease that killed these men. Ultimately, their cause of death was sin. It will not say that on their de- on their respective death certificates. It won't say that they died of sin on their death certificates. Right. Nonetheless, it is sin that murdered these men. And this sin, which likewise will be the cause of your death and of mine as well, should our Lord delay in returning for his elect, never again to die, but to live in his glorious and radiant presence for all eternity. So that gives you a little bit of context of where I'm coming from in that article. I titled it angry at sin because I I was literally at my friend's funeral getting angry at the fact that there was sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you were saying earlier uh, Omaha, something about how we just take the, we take what happened in the garden in Genesis three, man, we take that for granted. Yeah, we take we it very lightly. Brush yeah. That off. yeah, we do. We brush it off as yeah. if 
and, and, and I think, um, and, and this is a pet peeve of mine, man. It's okay if it's not your pet peeve, but it's, it's, this is a pet peeve of mine because I think the church today is so grace focused. Uh, you know, every sermon is about grace. Every book that comes out is about grace. Every song we sing is about God's grace. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we've, we've become so acclimated to the grace of God when mm-hmm. a lot of us probably don't even know what that is. Uh, but we hear it more. We hear the word grace more than we hear the word sin. Right. So I would, I don't know. I would say the ratio of grace to sin is probably a hundred to one. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. Right. Would you right. disagree? Omaha? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. We, we almost, we truth be told as a result of that, we almost become antinomian in our response to uh, you know, the gospel to any, to any, to anyone, let me say this, or to anyone coming and saying, you know what, A, you need to repent or B, um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a manner in which you should live as a result mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of, of the gospel's impact on your life. There's a way in which you should now live. And mm-hmm. so any, any mention of that, we, we, we become antinomian. Well, you know what, you, I, I'm, a, I'm under grace. I'm under grace, buddy. I'm under grace, yeah. friend. I'm, yeah. a, you know, that's, we're quick to, we're quick to, to land there mm-hmm. uh, and, and ignore and ignore the other. And it's, and it's for the very reason that you mentioned. Yeah. I call those folks graces. <laughs> <laughs> you always got a name for something. You always <laughs> I call those folks racist. They're like racist but with a G. <laughs> Gracism. <laughs> and these these antinomians that you talk about, yeah, right, those, right. Those, they preach gracism. Yes, they do. Yes, they They're do. They're gracious and they preach gracism. Yes, they do. I'm gonna go ahead and drop a name, Creflo Dollar. Yeah, oh, Creflo- see, here you here you go. Creflo Dollar has been <laughs> preaching gracism for about four years now. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Law, to where the law, right, right, Omaha, am I right? Yep. Yeah, you're on it. You're on it. For about four, he calls it living this grace life is what he calls right. it. Right. Uh, and he's been preaching this gracism now for about four years. Yeah. Uh, to where the law, you, you, the law is irrelevant. Um, that we live in an age of grace. Yes. makes the law totally non-existent to the extent to the degree that there you can't even sin anymore you don't no. you don't your no. your sin or if you do sin it doesn't require confession or repentance at all no. you you just you, you're just it's like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you know the grace of god is already spread over your bread it's already right. spread right. you just put you just put the two pieces of bread together right. and just enjoy Right, right, right. Uh, right. So, but yeah, so that's that antinomianism that you're talking about. It does exist within pockets of the church. Yeah. You know, just to simplify, though, I kind of coined that term gracist and they they preach gracism. Yeah. And that's all you hear from them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, your point about there being, you know, when you when you come to Christ, when you profess to be a Christian, that there is a certain way you are expected to live. Matter of fact, God demands it. Mm-hmm. He commands it. Right now, I'm looking at, for, for example, Ephesians five fifteen. Ephesians five fifteen and sixteen says this: Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, yes. making the most of your time because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. Right. So, there is a connection between 
you know, we kind of talked about this uh, in one of the previous episodes. There's a connection between salvation and sanctification. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I talked about how Peter, especially in the uh, epistle of first Peter, Peter does an, an excellent and overt job at placing salvation and sanctification on the same level. Now, mm. let me go to that text real quick just to quote that yep, because, yep, again, yep, I remember that, yep. right? What we're talking about here is to your great point, Omaha, that there is a manner in which Christians are expected uh, to live. I love this verse of 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start at chapter 1 and then I'm going to read uh, through the end of chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Read it from the NESB. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Mm-hmm. Now, the gracious will give you the second half of uh, verse two, and they'll say, yes, we've been sprinkled with Christ's blood. And because of that, you know, you're good to go. Right. You're good to go. You're good to go. But no, Peter says, matter of fact, not only does he say this, look at the order in which he says it. Mm-hmm. Now, you would think that Peter would say, you've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God to be sprinkled with his blood and to obey mm-hmm. as a result. Right. But that's not what he says. That's not the order in which he says it. Mm-mm. He says that we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father by the sanctifying work of the spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Mm-hmm. So the order anyway, right. It's like, the order salutus. Well, <laughs> this is the order sanctus, right? Okay. <laughs> so you have the order sanctus coming before mm-hmm. the order salutus, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. the point is this: saved people are being sanctified. Mm. If you're not being sanctified, if you're not showing fruits of of, of a maturing walk fruit in your life you're becoming disciplined in certain areas you're sinning less and less and less then i don't know your salvation might be in question your salvation might be in question in general absolutely absolutely uh so yeah so so uh so that blog article is titled uh angry at sin i encourage our listeners to go out and check it out uh at justthinking.me if you're not following the blog uh go ahead and sign up there on the blog site just drop your email address and you'll automatically get notifications for whenever I write uh, a new blog article. I don't have a schedule or calendar set up. I just kind of write when the Holy Spirit gives me something to say. Mm. Uh, and if I don't have anything to say, I don't write. Yeah. Uh, so, so there we go. That's been, that's so, been, been really good. I encourage our listeners to check that out and everything we've done in this space with, you know, with, with the just thinking uh, podcast, the just thinking broadcast is based upon uh, the, the, the anchor and, and kind of foundation laid uh, by that, by that blog um, of space. And so I would just encourage folks to, to get there, find it, uh, get to know what's going on and then share 
uh, the articles as they come out. Man, that was that was all just intro, man, because I, I really uh, have intentions of, of teeing up with you another subject altogether. And, uh, you know, with with regard to the issue, again, uh, that, that we have to keep revisiting uh, in the in the day and time that we're in. And, and I even think our, our, our earlier conversation sets it up well because we talked about the impact of sin. Uh, we talked about the we talked about antinomianism, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the and, and then people becoming a law unto themselves, determining what justice actually is supposed to look 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 like outside outside of the boundaries of kind of the biblical framework that's already given. Uh, that that doesn't set up uh, any any words any any prefixes prior to the word justice and and mm-hmm. so I, I got a chance man to listen to uh, to you uh, on 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 urban urban talk uh, give a uh, just a just a wonderful apologetic uh, around uh, the issue of social justice which I thought was was really brilliantly put together as well you sent me an article uh, for evangelism is a work of social justice. Now this was a this was an editorial uh written in Christianity Today uh the, the byline by a Mark G- uh, G- Gali if I'm yeah. saying that right G A L L I uh was written September 13th 2018 and 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 it's a it's a critique uh of the of the statement on social justice in the gospel. And yeah. uh it's interesting because I, I recognized as I listened to your your interview and looked at what was written in the article, how there's a portion of of that statement that's left off of the of the uh, of, of it, within the piece that was written. They they call it the statement on social justice, mm-hmm. and and in that you kind of it, it dealt with this and addressed the fact that there's a portion of this that's that's kind of left out and, and, and perhaps mm-hmm. there's reason and rationale behind that. Yeah. Um, may, may, maybe not, but, but I, I want to, as, as we go through this and, and I mean, there's a lot of content here. Um, my thought process so that, you know, cause we have not even had a chance to talk about, uh, this, your, 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 your interview or any other ask. We just kind of came on hit recording and, and started kind of going live. And so as you, as uh, usual, as usual, right. that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Folks may not believe that, but that's what we do. We don't, we don't, Omaha and I don't, we don't huddle up in advance no. of these episodes. No, we, no. We, we set a time for when we're going to hook up and record. Yeah. We come on, we may do a couple of pleasantries. Right. Then Omaha hits record. Yeah. And, and we, we and, roll. And we roll. And we roll. So I, I, my thought about this, so, and, and so, so the, the listeners will get an opportunity to kind of get behind, get behind the kitchen, so to speak, and watch us as we kind of, as we kind of put this, <laughs> put this meal together. So as we put all the ingredients in, you know what I mean? So as, as, as we put this together, my thought was, I want to, I want to kind of lead you through because I really felt like that the interview that you did was incredibly powerful. It was incredibly impactful. Was, I'll be honest with you. While I've thought about these issues, and and feel very confident in my ability to address the issues from a biblical point of view. I I just I found what you did in that interview so powerfully strategic because it it linked off of 
particular verses of scripture. You started in Leviticus. You went over to Matthew. I mean, just you just landed. You went to took took Revelation on. You mm-hmm. you just I, I thought that was brilliantly thought out the way you did that, and it was succinct, so that people could really get a very clear picture of how to address this issue. And then two, with regard to the statement, once I had listened to your apologetic, and I went back through this critique of the statement on social justice and the gospel, it was much easier based upon an understanding of that specific apologetic to unpack this thing and to dice it up and slice it up and see where the errors were. Now, prior to listening to what you shared, I, you know, I, I pieced it out. I kind of, I put it together. I kind of figured it out, but I think what you did on urban talk was so, was so, well put together so succinctly put together that that if our if if the rest of our listeners who pick us up maybe on the podcast side didn't hear that interview maybe they'd benefit from that so i thought two things one love for you to maybe maybe review that as well as uh, talk about anything that you want to with regard to this because i know and and our listeners you haven't un- unpacked this for our particular listeners how involved or your involvement, I should say it that way, your involvement with the statement, how it was, how, how, you know, how that came about, what all took place and those kinds of things. You've been incredibly modest, incredibly quiet uh, about it. Um, and I, I get, that, man, I, I so respect that about you, even to, even to the point where, man, I, there were things that would come out that I'd learn about after they came out only because you'd, you'd be, it's been, it was shared with you that, that you know, let's keep this under wraps. Let's keep mm-hmm. this under hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you honored that. I mean, it's as tight as we were, we're talking weekly mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, it would be, it would be much later, uh, only in the time sequence that those who were orchestrating this desired for that information to be out, that you would even let me know as much as you knew mm-hmm. uh, about what was going on. So I, I, I teed all of that up, man, just to throw a real, a real, a real softball pitch at you, uh, for you to take this on in the manner in which you see fit. Yeah, I appreciate that, Omaha. And uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and, and give folks a timeline on this. Uh, let me just start um, most recently, and then I'll work my way back. So okay. yeah, you're absolutely right. So I had the opportunity uh, just a couple of days ago to be on the program airing the Addisons. I'm sorry, airing the Addisons. Airing the Addisons is a um, a daily. Um, uh, program of the Urban Family Talk uh, Network. Uh, you can get to Urban Family Talk at urbanfamilytalk.com. Just go ahead and click on the menu icon and then drop down to uh, radio programs and you can find Airing the Addisons. Uh, we will keep, uh, matter of fact, we will add a link to my interview with the Addisons on the, in the episode notes for this episode. So uh, if, if you don't have time to uh, locate it, on your own, we will have it in the episode notes. But airing the Addisons is hosted by a husband and wife, uh, a black husband and wife, uh, Christian um, uh, Christian spouses, uh, Will and Miki Addison. And uh, I just got a, a Facebook uh, message from Will just out of nowhere, just a couple of days before the interview, asking if I'd be willing to come on to talk about the statement on social justice and the gospel. Uh, and I agreed to do so. So. Uh, the interview uh, was done just uh, again, just a couple of days ago. We record these episodes on Sunday. The interview occurred on Friday. So the interview is still fresh and we'll link that in this episode notes. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, one of the things I, I uh, want to reiterate because you're right, Virgil, 
folks who refer to the statement have shortened the official title of the statement to where they basically refer to it as a statement on social justice. Well, that is not the right title. That is not the correct title. The title of the statement officially is the statement on social justice and the gospel. (coughs) That is the title of the statement, the statement on social justice and the gospel. So here we are as we record this episode. Today is September 16th, 2018. Um, I was approached back in May of this year uh, by brother by the name of Josh Bice. Josh Bice, you you may, our listeners may be familiar with that name if they're at all familiar with the G3 conference. Uh, that is Josh's brainchild, right, Omaha? That's his baby. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so if anyone's familiar with the G3 conference that's held annually here in Atlanta, uh, Josh Bice is, is, is the brains and the, the uh, workhorse behind that. Uh, so I was approached by Josh back in May of this year. Josh was uh, familiar with a lot of my writings on my blog, uh, a lot of my commentaries on social media. Uh, he heard some interviews that I'd done with other Christian ministries, and he reached out to me for the sake of time. I'll give the more, um, uh, you know, uh, for, 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 for dummies version, the more Reader's Digest version here, uh, uh, and about this idea uh, that he and a group of other pastors, uh, Tom Buck, uh, Tom Askall, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Vody Bacham, uh, and others who were so concerned about what the social gospel, what the social justice movement, and how it was affecting the evangelical church, what it was doing to the church that these brothers had the idea to reach out through Phil Johnson of grace to you mm-hmm. uh, to reach out to John MacArthur. Uh, we felt that MacArthur had the platform and had the credibility to join with us to help formulate a formal statement that would be biblical, soundly theological to address various components with respect to what the biblical gospel teaches on these subjects. Hence the 14 articles of the statement on social justice and the Mm -hmm. gospel. Mm -hmm. So a meeting was held uh, with Dr. MacArthur in June, uh, mid June in Dallas. I was unable to attend that meeting face to face because of other commitments that I had. So I was unable to be there, but I've been involved in background on this from the beginning. Um, and that's why you'll see my name as an initial signer mm-hmm. on the statement. So that core group of initial signers, that's basically the core group who was, uh, has been involved in the statement since the, since the beginning, um, uh, until now. Uh, but I appreciated having the opportunity to speak to this issue on airing the Addison's because it gave me an opportunity to clear some things up because there's some folks out there who uh, don't approve of the statement and that's fine. Uh, We were not naive to that when, when the idea first came up. Okay. So we knew that when the statement was released on September 4th, none of us were naive to the fact of what the ramifications of that was going to be. Sure. What the implications of that, of supporting that statement were going to be. And we're still, 
experiencing that right now, as I mm-hmm. speak to you right now, Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at last check, there were over 8,000 approaching 9,000 mm-hmm. signatories on mm-hmm. the statement. So that's a very encouraging sign. But the blowback that I'm seeing, right to the point earlier about folks sort of having the title, that's how to cut the title in half and just refer to it as the statement on social justice. The blowback that I'm getting is from people who disagree with our stances on the cultural elements, the socio-cultural elements of the statement. You see, that's where they're having a problem with. You see, nothing theological, nothing as it relates to scripture or anything like that. They've got a problem with our more orthodox stances on things like sexuality and marriage, complementarianism. (laughs) Uh, They've got issues with things like that. And folks who haven't read the statement yet, you can go out. There's a website set up, statementonsocialjustice.com, statementonsocialjustice.com. You can access the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel there and read our 14 articles. We have affirmations and denials for each article. Okay, read it for yourself. Uh, Ligonier, Omaha, I don't know if you were aware, Ligonier just mm-hmm. signed off on the statement mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. I just saw that. I was very pleased to see that. So I was very I was, pleased I was, to I was, see I was very, I was very concerned, but very pleased to see that. I, I didn't, I had not heard publicly where they had stood and, uh, and, and, had, and had seen some, like, like many others, had seen some of the, you know, some of the, um, some of the speeches and, and, and things uh, that were done at, at MLK 50 and some other venues. Right, right. And so I was very concerned about where that would end up landing. And I was really pleased to see where it, where it ended up. So, yeah. So if you go to the website, you know, we have an introduction to the statement and I just want to read the first paragraph. I believe this first paragraph alone will help establish some folks, some context with some folks to understand what our impetus was for putting the statement together and releasing something like this. So let me just read one paragraph from the introduction quote in view of questionable sociological, psychological, and political theories. I want to hit on that word theories and political theories presently permeating our culture and making inroads into Christ's church. We wish to clarify certain key Christian doctrines and ethical principles prescribed in God's word. Clarity on these issues will fortify believers and churches to withstand an onslaught of dangerous and false teachings that threaten the, threaten the gospel, misrepresent scripture, and lead people away from the grace of God in Jesus Christ, unquote. Mm-hmm. That is why the statement exists. Yeah. In a nutshell, that is why the statement was written. And as I alluded to in the first sentence of that paragraph that I just read, there are theories, there are ideas that are being targeted at Christ's church. This is Christ's church we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways, Omaha, just like we were talking earlier about how uh, Christians today don't take sin seriously. Right. I don't think they take the church seriously. No. In, in the New Testament, the New Testament talks of Christ, of the church being presented to Christ, ultimately, eventually, holy and pure. Holy and pure. Mm-hmm. 
God wants a pure church. He just he doesn't just want a collection of bodies. We were talking earlier, right, about the connection between salvation and sanctification. Yes. Christ wants a church that is sanctified. And I don't mean that in the full gospel uh, 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 holiness. uh, Right, uh, right, right. Pentecostal way. Right, right. He he wants a body, a bride. Okay? That's why the the church is uh, analogized as a bride. Mm -hmm. The bride dressed in white, pure and undefiled, the word says. But I don't think Christians have a, professing Christians, have an appreciation for the fact that we must defend the veracity of the gospel. Yes. The gospel must, listen, what what did Paul do his entire life? Yeah. After the Damascus Road, Omaha, his entire life was a life of apologetics. Absolutely. Complete defense of the gospel. Complete I, defense of the gospel. I want to jump in on something you said here because I think I think it's critical. I just want to amplify what you said that th- that that this is Christ's church. It's it's His church. Inroads into Christ's church, and and right. I think what people what 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 and and you you coined the term social Justinians, right? Social uh, justicians. Justicians. Like, right. like musicians. Yeah. Right. <laughs> social justicians. <laughs> social social justicians want to co-opt the church and conform it into what they desire for it to be. Right. They, they, they want to use it. They want to leverage the gospel and its message for their own personal mm-hmm. purposes and preferences, mm-hmm. social, politically, psychologically, mm-hmm. economically, and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and I think to the point you're making, it's imperative that those of us who are, who are believers, who are true followers of Christ, take a stand mm-hmm. and, 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 and speak against that kind of, a, of an attack. Mm-hmm. And see, you're absolutely right, Omaha, and I agree 100%. Matter of fact, a problem that I see, a problem I see with many evangelical uh, social justicians is that they don't really want to respond to injustice the way Jesus did. Right. They don't really want to. They really don't. If they were really honest, they would have to admit, many of them would have to admit, they have a problem. Now, these are professing Christians I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Their Christianity is partitioned as it relates to the social justice issue because yes. they don't really want to respond to injustice as did the one in whom they press to, uh, profess to believe. Their standard of injustice is their own experience. Right. Not Christ's experience. <laughs> right. Now, the, if you call yourself a Christian, your standard of, of injustice must be what Christ endured. That's the, that's the standard of injustice. Mm-hmm. We're sinners. So the, the standard of injustice cannot be ourselves. Right. It cannot be. Because we are innately unjust against God. Innately. You're conceived guilty of sin against God. Mm -hmm. But this is a core, core problem with with, with many evangelical social justices. They do not really want to respond to injustice the way Jesus did because their standard is themselves. Hence, they respond to injustice 
with their own self-interest in mind, not Christ's interest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They do not. They, and, and one of my one of my favorite passages in uh, in kind of considering uh, the injustice that Christ endured versus the the absolute arrogance, as I see it, the absolute arrogance and pride of evangelical social justices out there today, absolutely demanding just treatment. Really. Mm -hmm. Listen to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 16, the, the, the Mark's account, the marking account of the crucifixion is my favorite account in the four, four gospels. Mm. Um, I love Mark's brevity here, but he adds such, um, substance to his words. Now, Omaha, I want you to raise your hand virtually, of course, <laughs> if, if any of this has happened to you. Okay. And listeners to this this episode of the broadcast, raise your hand if any of this has happened to you, okay? I'm in Mark 15. I'm going to start at verse 16 and read through verse 20. Mm. Mark, six, Mark 15, verses 16 through 20. The soldiers took him, that is Jesus, the soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up, that is Jesus, they dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. Is your hand raised, Virg? Come on, somebody. Verse 18, and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. They're mocking him. Mm -hmm. Verse 19, they kept beating his head with mm -hmm. a reed. Mm -hmm. I don't see your hand up, Virg. Mine's not up, brother. They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him. Come on. And kneeling and bowing before him. After they mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him and put his own garments on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Mm -mm. Now, I've got my hand over my eyebrows as if you're looking to the sunlight. You kind of have to do that to get a little to kind of block the sun a little bit. And I'm right. looking for hands. I'm looking for a show of uh -uh. hands. Uh-uh. You see, I'm nope. looking for a show of hands. Nope. Right? Now, unless any of that has happened to you, you have absolutely no right whatsoever to demand justice. Mm. And that's the arrogance that I'm seeing of the social justice movement within the church. Right. There's an arrogance that's developed here to whether they're actually absolutely demand a bunch of sinners. <laughs> right. It's demanding. Right. Just treatment. Really? Yeah. Really? Listen, um, um, I was thinking about that first before we before we record it. And I was thinking about how you talk about what Christians have forgotten. Mm -hmm. we, we we take for granted what happened in the garden. We take for granted this this the sin that uh, even Adam committed in the garden and the ramifications across history uh, of that event. We take for granted uh, Christ's suffering on the cross. Uh, we, we, we look at the cross as, as if it was as if Christ died. He just passed out on a lazy boy uh, recliner. <laughs> we, 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 we're, we're that unappreciative. Absolutely. That's what it is. It's unappreciation Absolutely. Absolutely. of what Christ did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me, as you said that it, it, it reminded me, I pulled I pulled up uh, Matthew 18 and, um, 
you know, the, the account where, where Peter is asking the question of Lord, how often, uh, you know, will my brother who sins against me, how, how often should I forgive him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Jesus would tell him, you know, it, it, he would ask, you know, as, as many as seven times. And Jesus would say, I say to you, 70 times, not, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. I, I want to read this section from, from, Go ahead, man. Go from ahead. Matthew 18, uh, verse 23 uh, and 35. Of course, I'm reading from the elect standard version. Uh, it, <laughs> says, <laughs> it says this, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him, who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his ma- his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29. So his fellow servants fell, his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with them, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what he had taken, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went out and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then then his master summonsed him and said to him, you wicked mm-hmm. servant, mm-hmm. he said, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you and, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And in, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should repay all the debt. Mm-hmm. So also, verse 35, what my heavenly father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. I don't I don't know how much more clear scripture can be about this particular issue with regard to our forgiveness, our response, and what we should be doing in light of how we've been forgiven time and time again, scripture would make an appeal to, to believers to forgive as Christ mm-hmm. has forgiven you. How many times in the, in, 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 the, in Paul's epistles, have we, have we seen him write to brothers and sisters in Christ to, for, for them to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Christ is always the model. Absolutely. Well, see, we don't we don't want to we don't want to follow Christ in that regard. And that's that's exactly what I meant earlier by saying we partition our Christianity. Absolutely. We're OK with the salvation piece. Yes. The atonement, the atonement, the atonement will say, you know, my sins are forgiven. Jesus paid it all, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're good with that. But the sanctification piece, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to what you just read in Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Uh uh-uh, No, I'm not letting anybody do that to me. And see, here's the thing about this current, uh, this current uh, group or block or demographic of, of evangelical social justicians. I say this current group because this this ain't new, right? Pardon my grammar. This ain't new. <laughs> this is not new. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this current crop, there's an arrogance about this current crop here that puts themselves off 
as if they've suffered. Yeah. They haven't suffered. No, they haven't. These are cats with 10,000 Twitter followers, Mm -hmm. 8,000 Facebook followers. They got Instagram. They got all the conveniences of life. You haven't even suffered. Right. And even if you had, you're supposed to. (laughs) Right. Now, why do I say that? Well, Philippians 129. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, salvation, Mm -hmm. but also to suffer for his sake. Yes. Sanctification. There it is again. You got the order salutus, the order sanctus. Yep, there it is. As man, as we as as we as we wrap up with our with our urban talk. Uh, folks here in, in the next f- few moments, man, I, I just I, I want to encourage folks to, in, and I, I've been I've been encouraged by going back and listening to um, man the broadcast that we've that we've put together and, and what's been aired. want to encourage folks to, to check check us out, to connect with us, uh, to, to, to be connected to to the podcast side and and to know kind of what's going to go back and listen to some of the things that are there, because I think it'd be a, a, of incredible uh, benefit in the arsenal because this this issue is not going away. It's not dying, is it, Daryl? It's not dying. Unfortunately, it's not yeah. dying. It's yeah. not. Uh, wanted to wanted to give you just that chance, man, to to, to touch base with our folks, let them know uh, a little bit more, man, about the apologetic. And, and I, I'm 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 the one keeping you over. So <laughs> because I, I think I think there was such a value in what you did and what it what it did for me, Daryl, is because of the succinct manner in which you anchored your apologetic. It helped me. I, I when you sent me the article that that we that we were walking through, I was kind of like, okay, this and this, and kind of thinking a little bit. Okay, scripturally, here's where I go. Okay, so if the brother asks me about this, here's what I'd say because I'm I'm always trying to get prepped for our shows and make sure that yeah. at, at at the point at which you know you you you, you get you know you, you get to slowing down at all or or, or scriptures you know you you you're kind of winding in. I want to interject some different ideas or thoughts. Of, I want to have what I need to have to kind of supplement what. what what you're what you're putting forward. Um, what helped me was after I'd gone back and listened to the the, the three verses of scripture that you kind of anchored the, the majority of your apologetic in. And when you did that, and then I went back and looked at this article, I went, oh my word. It, it's it's like it's like the lenses got really it's like it's like somebody you know like somebody took took a, a clear cloth and just wiped the lens really really clear mm-hmm. so that I could see it and 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 it was much more it it, it took a whole lot less time mm-hmm. walking through some of the arguments some of these guys who put these arguments together are v- incredibly nuanced mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and one of the things that you've been you've been sharing for as long as we've been together. Uh, it, it, you've been sharing the, the importance of defining terms. Bingo, bingo, yeah, and see the that's importance of defining terms. So, so exactly, speak to that exactly. as well as well as tee, tee up some some of those some of those verses that you walked walked them through. Yes, so that's exactly right, Verge. So, a lot of the flack that I catch from evangelical social uh, social justicians is because I'm not nuanced enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm too black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry to disappoint them uh, because that's not changing. 
Right. The same case I consistently make with everybody with whom I engage in discourse on this issue, you're going to hear that same apologetic from me because it is absolutely fundamentally critical Mm -hmm. that if you're going to dare to step off into a dialogue with anybody on social justice, you must, this is non-negotiable. You must be dogmatic about using biblical terms. Absolutely. You must use biblical terms. Absolutely. Do not allow them to entice you, uh, to bait you into using the world's terms. Absolutely. Terms like intersectionality mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Those are not biblical terms. So one of my favorite go-to texts, and I shared this in the uh, interview with Aaron the, on Aaron the Addison's, on Urban Family Talk is Leviticus 19 verses 15 through 18. If you want a biblical definition of justice and intrinsically a definition of injustice, this is the text. Mm. Leviticus 19 verses 15 through 18. Let me read those from the non-Arbinian standard Bible. Verse 15 of Leviticus 19. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. Now, let me just pause right there for a second. Leviticus 19.15 says, You shall not be partial to the poor. Mm -hmm. But if you scan the landscape, Omaha, of the entire social justice movement what is it based on it's based on being partial Partial to the poor poor. Mm -hmm. so it is inherently disobeying this command Mm -hmm. in leviticus 19 15 you shall not you shall do no injustice in judgment you shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great but you are to judge your neighbor fairly verse 16 you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but it shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's Leviticus 19 verses 15 through 18. And I made the point in the interview on urban family talk that if Christians were to just obey that, that is what justice looks like. There is no person or people group that is not covered under that text. That's justice for everybody. Believer and unbeliever alike. There's no need for these adjectives and descriptors that you're hearing out here. There's no need to uh, associate and segment, hyphenate, qualify categories of people. If you were to just get Leviticus 19, 15 through 18 in your heart, that covers it. Mm -hmm. When, When you obey these commands in Leviticus 19, 15 through 18, that's what justice looks like. When you disobey those commands, that's what injustice looks like. There mm-hmm. is no such thing. Do a word search on the word justice. You will never see anywhere. I don't care. It's from Genesis to Revelation. You never see a word that qualifies it 
the word is always mentioned independently. Right. Same thing with the word injustice. It says it right here in Leviticus 19, 15. You shall do no injustice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say you will do no social injustice. It doesn't say, well, injustice has a social impact, so don't do it. No, this is Romans 1. Every person who has ever existed on this planet, God has placed within their heart an innate awareness of what is right and what is wrong. Right. And I mentioned this in the article, the blog article I wrote, the article that I titled God Has Spoken. I mentioned this as a rhetorical question. I don't know what social uh, evangelical social justicians want. It sounds like to me what they want is more laws so that the people who are already breaking the laws that are already on the book can break those too. <laughs> I guess that's what they want. You want more laws so that the people who are already breaking the laws that are currently on the books can break those new laws too. Mm-hmm. And see, there's the irony, Verge, about being Christians. Why did Christ come? Because we couldn't keep the law. Right. Hello? Right. <laughs> Right. Man, I'm about to say something. I'm about to turn my collar in. If, if I, if I, <laughs> and Dwayne might have to Dwayne might have to do some serious editing after after I'm done on this one. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just frustrated because you got a group of uh, so, uh, evangelical social justices out there who don't read the word. Right. Either they read it and don't want to believe it because of their agenda. It doesn't fit their agenda. No. And, and, and I, just to connect it back to the statement, the statement doesn't fit their agenda. No, that's that's why that's why so many people are upset at us who were involved with and signed off on the statement on social justice and the gospel because it doesn't fit their agenda. It comes against headlong against their agenda, their their agenda and their worldview is clouded by what you talked about, sociological, psychological and political theories Theories. that permeate the culture. We're talking theories versus doctrines. Right. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Yep. That word theories is in there deliberately. Okay. We're talking theories versus doctrines that the church has held for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Over 2000 years. Now you have a 20th century nuanced idea that's trying to take down and it is trying to take the church down. Don't, don't be fooled. Okay. When you get, mm-hmm. listen, when you get, reformed people quoting James Cone. Right. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. So another text and Virgil have to remind me of the Matthew text, but I'm going to go to the revelation text that I mentioned in the mm-hmm. urban talk interview. So if you can remind me of the Matthew yeah, yeah. text, but I, I made the point in, uh, in the uh, interview with Miki and Will Addison on urban family talk that in the, it, to the point we were talking about a second ago with respect to the entire social justice movement being in violation of God's command in Leviticus 1915 is that it does defer to the poor. It does defer to the poor. It, it, it favors the poor and God's word says that that is as much a sin as giving deference to the rich. You should not give deference to the poor. But I pointed out in Revelation chapter 22, Revelation 22 verse 11, because there's a uh, there's a notion that's inherent within the social justice movement within the church that it's the church's job not only to address poverty but to eradicate it, to eradicate it. That that you can just 
by virtue of leveraging really what are socialistic principles, quasi-communistic principles, quasi-Marxist principles to create this sort of um, community that in many ways engages and sort of fosters an, an, an ecumenical sort of spirit behind it to where the Protestant church, what well, we, we emphasized earlier, Christ's church is supposed to join hands with Islam, <laughs> Buddhists, mm-hmm. Hindus, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all under the guise of equity and unity. Mm. You see. And no, no. If you know the gospel, then you know that that's not the role of the church. In Revelation 22, 11. Yeah, that was it. Yep. It reads this. It says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. Mm-hmm. Now, the question I have is in relation as it relates to that text that I just read in Revelation 20 to 11, what are more laws supposed to get you? <laughs> what are, what are, what are more laws going to get you? Right. No, but see, this is, this is what they want, you know, and, and, and to my point earlier about this sort of ecumenical uh, aspect that this movement is taking on, I posted a comment on my Facebook page the other day, and and I said this. I said, one of the most concerning aspects of the evangelical social justice movement is its gradual acceptance of ecumenical soteriology. That is the idea that bringing together various, quote-unquote, faith communities under the guise of unity and equality Mm. is is an inherently salvific work with which their assorted deities are well pleased. Mm-hmm. You see, so what you've done, you've seen this Omaha. Yeah. You've seen uh, liberal Christian pastors and pastorettes mm-hmm. <laughs> hand in hand, right? Walking down some street somewhere, who knows where, with photographers around them, and they're joining hands with. Uh, Islamic imams, mm-hmm. Jewish rabbis, yep, uh, Hindu and Buddhist priests, yep. uh, you name it, walking hand in hand under the guise of unity and inequality. But that's where that's where this social that's where what is now an evangelical social justice movement. That's where it's going. It's becoming an ecumenical movement. Absolutely. I mean, and that that's evidenced as well by not, not only not only the visual that you see of those kinds of things, but what you're seeing in those critics who who have things to say about uh, the, the statement on, on uh, the statement on social justice and, and, and the gospel that, that, that I saw not only this critique uh, that, that we looked at at Christianity Today. There was another one statement on God's justice. Uh, I think I sent I sent that to you. Uh, and I'm sure you had, I'm sure you had seen it prior to prior to my sending it uh, to you by a group of progressive Asian American Christians, um, and and again it it kind of opens up problem from a problematic standpoint in that it it doesn't it 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 
it does not affirm um, the inerrancy of scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it kind of, kind of, I mean, it, it starts from that flawed position mm-hmm. and, and the, and the problem with, with social uh, Justinians is that, is that once you open this door uh, to, to all of those, to, to, to the, so, to the social ideas of the day, to the to the political, sociological, psychological, th- and political theories of our day, you open the door to all different types of ecumenical movements, mm-hmm. all, all types of social movements uh, that 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 aren't anchored in Scripture, and and you and and, and because you've ignored scripture as the text you, you you're you're kind of you're you're caught flat-footed i mean these these folks are trying to affirm uh different different uh sexual orientations mm-hmm. on the basis of intersectionality now mm-hmm. i mean yeah they're they're, they're they're all using the exact same language yeah and 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 it's and it's difficult to determine who's who right i mean it and, really is and to that point to that very point that it gets difficult ultimately to determine who's who. Mm-hmm. Listen, what does ecumenicism lead to? Well, ecumenicism ultimately leads to pluralism. Absolutely. And what does pluralism lead to? Pluralism ultimately leads to universalism. Mm-hmm. And once you're once you're <laughs> out there in the universalism realm, Christ is just another, he's just one among many gods at that point. Well, you, you, Acts four twelve no longer exists. Yeah. Well, you've you've begun again with with from a standpoint of of the call for social justice to begin with. You've already negated the finished work of Christ. Right. You, you, you've al- you've already you've already you've be, you've begun with the pretext with the presupposition that the work of Christ on the cross is insufficient to manage all of all of justice that need that is required. Yeah. And there's something in addition. There's a work in addition to the finished work of Christ required. And so, once you've opened that door, yeah. you you you've cracked the door open for all, for the flood of all these other ridiculous ideas to come through. Yeah, that's that hypersoteriology, right? It's like, well, the, the atonement's not really the atonement. It's the atonement right. plus. It's the right. atonement plus. You know, and again, you know, when you look at you you look at again. I said it before that we, listen, we are sinners. The, 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 our paradigm of injustice, <clears throat> our paradigm of injustice must begin with that which is holy, not with that which is unholy, like us. But see, our paradigm of, of injustice, we have lowered it. If, if it was ever raised to begin with, That's we have good, lowered man. it so that it begins with us. That's no, really good. Injustice has to begin with the holy. Not with the unholy. It has to begin with mm-hmm. the perfect, not with the imperfect. It must begin with the righteous, not with the unrighteous. Mm-hmm. So that gives us absolutely, as Christians, as as people who profess to follow. <clears throat> Listen, God, when he didn't have to, did. He stooped down. There's a big word, condescended. Yes. God condescended. That means he literally bent over mm-hmm. to become like us. He had to come down. Mm-hmm. He took on a form to dwell among us that was lower than his heavenly form. Mm-hmm. God is spirit, it says, and those who 
worship him must do so in spirit and truth. God came down. Who are we to lift ourselves up Good. and demand anything from anybody? Mm-hmm. When God took it upon himself to save a wretch like us. Yeah. Yeah. And we are wretches. Yeah. We are wretches. I, man, I, I, I want I want to I want to read one thing here quickly because it, it when when you were when you were talking about God's condescension, I immediately my mind immediately went to Philippians two, and um and and what caught what caught my attention as I as I went there, man, is what's actually said all of what you said about about Christ who who did not consider. Um, uh, equality with God, something to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbles himself, mm-hmm. becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, I, I, interestingly, as you go back to to Philippians 2, 1, it, it, it says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Paul says, to complete my joy by being of the same mind, mm-hmm. having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Mm-hmm. Verse three is what struck me because it says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Wow. Verse four let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interest of others. Mm-hmm. Having this mind among yourselves, which is Christ. And then it goes on to talk about the mind of Christ, which he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. And we, we in our humanity, again, the point you made brilliantly earlier, which is we have to start with the righteous, not with that which is unrighteous. We have to start with that which is holy, not with that which is unholy. That's what Paul does here. He starts with the righteous and the holy to a standard that none of us can obtain. Amen. That's right. That That's none right. of us can, can obtain as he points to the to the complete perfection in humility that is Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the reason we take that for granted, Omaha, is because we don't believe, we no longer believe that God still has that standard. Right. He right. still has that standard. Right. He still has that standard. The only way you and I as sinners, as, as people who are conceived guilty of sin against God, mm-hmm. is what Dr. R.C. Sproul would often quote, Martin Luther is saying a righteousness that is extra nos, that is apart from us. Mm. That is the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is that volitional, I'm sorry, that vicarious righteousness that is not our own. It is not innate to us, but by virtue of right. Ephesians two, eight and nine. Speaking of Ephesians two, eight, uh, I've always said that the two most powerful words in the entire Bible are but God. Come on, brother. Those are the two most powerful <laughs> words in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. But God, and you'll find it in Ephesians chapter 2, where in verse verses 8 and 9, it reads this. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8. To me, the very least of all saints. See, we don't think you, you were talking about humility before, urge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We we don't see we don't think ourselves as the least. 
Mm-hmm. No, and this is what I was talking about earlier about the, 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 the evangelical social justicians out there who are just very arrogant, just very prideful. Mm-hmm. They don't have the attitude that Paul has here in Ephesians 2, 8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. See, mm-hmm. when we take God's grace for granted, we take sin for granted, we don't see his grace as unfathomable. Mm-hmm. we see it as fathomable <laughs> because I'm not really all that bad. Right, right, right. Yeah, I appreciate that God died for me, you know, cool and everything, but, you know, he's got everything taken care of, so I don't need to be concerned about my walk, to your right. your p- point earlier. No, Paul says the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Now, yeah. going back to Ephesians 2 real quick. Yeah, that was Ephesians 3.8. Yeah. That, was a free, that was Ephesians 3.8. In 2.8, okay, in 2.8, for by grace you have been saved mm-hmm. through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Yes. It is the gift of God, that not of yourselves. Mm-hmm. That, those three words, not of yourselves, ought to be enough to put every Christian on their face mm-hmm. before God mm-hmm. and absolutely demand nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Look, I want to just wrap up with this verse. I know, I know we've gone long and I know you confess that you're the one who kept me. Over. I did. I did it, man. It's on me. It's on me. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but it, it's like, it's as if Christians would, you know, just kind of tying a bow on this whole social justice thing. I just want to say everybody to everyone out there, I've gotten, I don't know how many messages or requests, people reaching out to me and said, Daryl, I want you to come on. Uh, can you do a, a Facebook Live or can you come on my podcast, kind of clarify some things with this uh, statement on social justice and the gospel? Well, my answer, respectively, is no. No. Uh, number one, I have a day job. Number two, <laughs> you know, I've got other responsibilities that I'm I'm doing. So when you see me post something on Facebook or Twitter, please don't assume that I'm just over here twiddling my thumbs. Right. You know, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't have time for all that. Um, but what I want to wrap up is, is with this, this, because I think there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know. There's this perception out there that there should be no injustice in this world. This is unbelievable to me, Verge. That's that there should just point. be no inju- injustice. In, this, this, listen, first John five nineteen says that this world lies in the power of the evil one. Now the mm-hmm. original Greek reads that this world lies in the evil one. Mm-hmm. So by nature, this world mirrors the nature of Satan. It mirrors the nature of the devil. Why would you not expect injustice in a world that rests in the bosom of Satan? Right. But, Notwithstanding that, First Peter chapter two verse twenty one. Again, I read Philippians one twenty nine. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Along those same lines, Peter writes this in First Peter two twenty one. For you have been called for this purpose. That's a singular preposition. For you have been called for this purpose 
since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow. Mm-hmm. That's why you've been called <laughs> to suffer. Mm-hmm. We have been called to suffer. Now, again, Philippians 1 first Peter 2 21. I'm just going to leave our listeners with those two verses. They can study other verses in the new Testament themselves. But again, the Christian has to understand who was it? Was it James uh, Omaha who said, I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, you know, don't be shocked at the fire. No, it was Peter. Don't be shocked at the fiery trials that come your way for your testing right. as if, as if something strange were happening to you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So don't be don't be surprised at that. So when you do suffer unjustly, don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I just want all these evangelical social justicians out there who are talking off at the mouth as if they've suffered to stop because you haven't suffered. Absolutely. So please stop. OK, none of us has suffered which, as it held up against what I read in uh, Mark chapter 15. No. Nobody suffered. Okay, here I sit, here you sit, Omaha, in the comfort of our respective homes. Right. Air-conditioned, comfortable, no threats on your life, no threats on the lives of your family. Mm -mm. You're secure. You probably had ample food to eat today. Too much. Clothes to wear. (laughs) Too much. Too much. You had all your your needs met. Mm -hmm. 1 Timothy 6, verse 8. 1 Timothy 6, verse 8. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Mm-hmm. Think you have food and covering today, right, Omaha? I you sure did. have, brother. God I'm covered that for it. you. Yes, he did. God took care of that for me. Uh, and let me let me just say this real quick. Speaking of being content, um, I had to get uh, my car worked on. I went to pick up the car to pay for the repairs and everything. But on the way home, I stopped to fill up. I literally, when I pulled up to the pump, I literally saw an older gentleman riding a bicycle stop on the other side of the pump that I was using to physically rummage through a trash can, Mm -hmm. assuming he was looking for something to eat. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a picture of God's grace in two seconds. Mm -hmm. Here I am rolling up in my car air conditioning on and everything. Listen to some NFL. I open the car. I don't even step out the car. And here this guy comes up on a bicycle Mm -hmm. rummaging through the trash can. Okay. So again, I just want to ask our listeners out there who profess emphasis on profess to be Christian. What in the world do you have to complain about? Absolutely. 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 Well, man, I, I appreciate you taking the additional time. I'm I'm hopeful that it was uh, something that was beneficial, edifying for those who who stuck with us. I'm I'm so thankful for our listeners, man, because they are they are they are troopers, man. They they roll with us through uh, some of yep. our longer podcasts. And what's yep. interesting is I know that they listen until the end because they'll they'll tweet or or, or send a send an inbox message about something that was said at the very end 
of the broadcast that that you had to listen to the whole thing all the way through mm-hmm. in order to capture. And so I'm really thankful for them. I know you are as well. We just yeah. want to send a send a shout out to you all. Continue to to support us. Pray for us. Uh, pray for pray for the, the ministries that goes forth. Uh, definitely be praying for Daryl as he's as he's out there uh, doing different interviews and 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 sharing. Uh, mess, the, the message of hope is that we have in Christ Jesus, in mm-hmm. the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, that is all that Amen. matters. That Amen. is all that matters. And so, man, I'm 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 grateful to be by your side in this endeavor, man, and and to be uh, to be, to be Omaha uh, on on the side side tip in this. And and uh, brother, it's a blessing to be with you. Listen, join us next week, same time, same space for another edition of the Just Thinking Broadcast.